You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 21. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Hi, spiritual fasters. At the time of this recording, it is the week after Lent, and you made it. You walked into the desert almost seven weeks ago and fasted for Jesus with a goal of delaying sugar, flour, and alcohol until Saturday nights and Sundays. You set your heart on abstaining from meat on Wednesdays and Fridays, attending Stations of the Cross, amped up your prayer life, tried to attend weekly adoration of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and added a daily Mass when you could schedule it. You created food protocols, you journaled, and you got coached often. Maybe for the first time during Lent, you were hungry and were able to make physical space for the Holy Spirit to do his ominous work. And he did it. Be assured of this. Even if you didn't do everything I described perfectly, perfect doesn't matter with Christ. Maybe for the first time, you entered the way of Calvary and bravely stopped being part of the crowd. Maybe you pushed your way through and walked up to the cross amidst the violence and chaos and bent beneath it next to the bloodied and battered Jesus to help him carry that immense cross that he accepted for you. This is what makes the most pivotal Lent and any time of the year that you decide to unite with Jesus under that cross. This is the place where you carry your suffering and discomfort to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the place where he lessens it and you lessen his suffering too. That is a courageous place to be, my friends. And you went there. Even though you may have fell down repeatedly, Jesus helped you up every time. And it doesn't matter that you didn't do it perfectly. As I said before, there is no perfect under the cross. There is just you and I trying to figure it all out with Jesus by our side. You took the time to set a goal of offering up sugar, flour, and alcohol during the week for a spiritual purpose. You did it for the ones you love and for the love of God, and you tried and tried and tried. Please know that no matter what, God honored all of your suffering. He is so gracious and giving and so pleased with you. Think of all the people who didn't even think of fasting during Lent, but you did. And that is a victory right there. And then Easter comes. So we feast in celebration of the Lord's resurrection to new life. We get our reward of good food and drink and the new hope of our eternal reward of heaven one day. But honestly, what is feasting and how and when do we feast? Let's get into that right now because I want to tell you that feasting is not binging or just eating and drinking everything you want on Easter Sunday or every Sunday after that. It's so much more than that. Now, I'm not a theologian, but this is my take on feasting, and I have researched this quite a bit, and it is actually very exciting. If you are listening to this podcast right after Lent, then it is a time of feasting, not just on Easter Sunday, but really all week long. It is called the Easter Octave, the eight days from Easter to Divine Mercy Sunday. 
Before my life of dedicated spiritual fasting, I really didn't partake in the Easter octave. I really didn't know exactly what it was. All I knew is that Lent was over and now I could eat and drink again. But now I do understand and it is so amazing. Don't miss this time and then teach your families about it as well. So during the Easter octave, each day is celebrated as a little Easter. There is no need for fasting or even delaying of any kind during these eight days. Yes, you heard it here. This is great news, but don't get in the drive-through line just yet. Let me help you navigate what this truly means to all of us as Catholics. An octave means an eight-day celebration. That is the prolongation of a feast to the eighth day like an eight-day feast, which is pretty amazing. The feast itself is considered the first day, and it is followed by six days called days within the octave. The eighth or octave day is kept with greater solemnity than the days within the octave, but they are really all solemnities. And this is taken from a book called With Christ Through the Year by Bernard Strasser. So there's only two octaves during the liturgical year, and that is Christmas and Easter, and we have reached the Easter octave. This is the greatest week of the church year where Christ is risen. He suffered and died for us last week, and now he is risen. Jesus has conquered death and sin for us by his very death and resurrection. So we celebrate for eight straight days. That long stretch of Lent and all of that delay that suffering undertaken on our own part in preparation of our hearts and minds to meet Christ at the cross is now a cause for celebration this week. And it was so worth it. Because of adding fasting to my prayers, I have found that I must enter into all the good Fridays of my life with Christ right beside him on the cross to celebrate with him on all the little Easter's on Sunday. The good Friday has to come before the Easter Sunday. And we're learning so much about this, aren't we? During the entire year, we get to celebrate every Sunday as a little Easter, and every solemnity that is on the church calendar is celebrated as well. And this is what fasting does to your life, helps you actually live the church calendar all year long. So let's get back to the Easter octave. Easter week is the antithesis of Holy Week. Since the resurrection was the most significant event in the life of the Lord, where he made his divinity known to the entire world, Easter is the highest Sunday and Easter week is the great week of the entire church year. No other feast is ever celebrated during this week. Again, this is from that book by Bernard Strasser, and I'll have that in the show notes. So the question is, how would we like to celebrate this feast? How would we like to celebrate the entire week of Easter? Let's begin with the definitions of a feast or feasting, and here are the ones that most resonate with me. To dwell with gratification or delight, a rich or abundant meal, something highly agreeable, or eating sumptuously, which means splendid, opulent, or magnificent food. So when it comes to food, do these definitions describe the McDonald's drive-thru? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, that is something to think about, but not in my world. I think of a juicy steak with a baked potato and a glass of wine, one of my favorite salads filled with the best ingredients, including cashews or croutons, or even homemade supreme pizza. My daughter-in-law makes the best. So if we're talking about food, these things bring me gratification and delight. They're highly agreeable and they really are splendid. And then I strive to eat just enough to glorify God in my celebration. And this is my plan for the active after Easter. 
Still keeping the definitions in mind and glorifying God with my thoughts, words, and actions, I turn to Easter Sunday, the highest solemnity, and for me, the greatest feast day, where I will first and foremost celebrate the Mass and the Eucharist. This is the morning that Mass just comes alive for me. It is so profound as I attend in awe of what Jesus has suffered for me and my family. And I come to Mass in reverence, again, and in awe and in total thanksgiving for Him. Then the celebration ensues. And, you know, I have a large family of brothers and sisters, so several of us get together every Easter, and there's an entire kitchen full of delicious food and drink to consume in celebration. And I've learned in the past couple of years to eat just two meals that day, including a small amount of sugar, flour, and alcohol. I will have a small amount of pasta, some green bean casserole, a roll with butter, and a glass or two of wine. And that is a feast for me compared to what I normally eat on a daily basis. I will have a salad and some protein too, and maybe a taste of dessert. So this is definitely the day that I feast on delicious food, but I also feast on connection and friendship with my family. I love this day as I dwell with gratification and delight on my little nieces and nephews running around the house with Easter baskets, hunting for candy filled eggs. They are so cute. And I have two grandchildren on the way, so next year, Mike and I will have our own little guys toddling around. That's going to be so much fun. I also marvel at the Lord's promise as we also celebrate those special family members that have been initiated into the Catholic faith the night before. This year, it's my niece. How amazing that she is going to be initiated into the church on Easter and then baptizes her own child the next weekend as a Catholic mother, while my own daughter is named as her godmother. How good is the Catholic life here? All these things make Easter truly a day of celebration. It is way more than food, and that's my point here, way more. We can choose to overindulge on love and gratitude rather than food and alcohol. This is a mindset shift. And then the celebration is intended to continue for the whole week. We need not delay sugar, flour, and alcohol during the Easter octave, but be careful and make good virtuous plans. It certainly wouldn't feel good to either body or soul to binge into gluttony either. Because there is a big difference. The definition of binging is to indulge in an activity such as eating to excess. We don't really want to do that. We don't want to eat or drink to excess. This is not the action that I want to partake in during this week. It's taken me a long time to break a cycle of addiction with sugar, flour, and alcohol. So I don't want to jump back into that vice cycle in the name of feasting for Christ. So what do I do? Well, I feast on different things, like I said before. After a few years of figuring this out, I allow myself to eat a small amount of sugar or flour or alcohol every day of the octave. Only one of those substances per day, though. This may look like this, like blueberries, maybe. I normally don't consume fruit on a daily basis, just Sundays. Um, I can have a small chocolate, one of my sister's leftover dinner rolls that are amazing. And of course I will slather that in butter as well. And then maybe a glass of wine on Tuesday evening. You have to decide what you're going to eat and when, but there is no overindulging or binging on ice cream and cake or drinking every night. That doesn't work for my body or my soul. When I overeat or overdrink, I physically don't feel well, and I don't want to bring old habits back that I've worked so hard to improve. So I just let my hair down a little bit, and a little goes a long way. It feels good and celebratory at the same time. Eating to enough. Consuming sugar, flour, and alcohol in small quantities and infrequently is the ticket to food freedom, even in celebration. There's another side to this as well, and that's 
those activities and connection that I mentioned. Just like we created a Lenten plan to stay on track, we need a feasting plan that allows us to treat our body and soul as gift so that we learn to celebrate the sacraments first and foremost, going to mass daily during the octave, in true Thanksgiving and celebration, attending adoration as much as possible during this week. You know, he is our greatest feast. Another thing you can do is take in the wondrous scriptures of the Acts of the Apostles at this time. During the Triduum, we saw Peter in despair, weeping in sorrow and full of fear. But here during the Easter octave, we see his transformation in Christ. He's now strong and fearless. He's a preacher and a sharer of the good news. During the octave, we can join Peter and do the same with renewed vigor and love of God, being fearless and transformed. We can focus on healing others through our love of God. Also, when it comes to food, we can cook amazing meals that are appealing and satisfying to our taste buds, making savory salads and meals that you would not normally have during the week. And you can eat small amounts of sugar, flour, and, and alcohol. Just don't overeat them. And I call this eating to enough. Overeating is a gluttonous habit that is really hard to slay. So don't bring that back if you can help it. Also, you can plan fun activities and savor the connection with your loved ones instead of overconsumption. Try visiting others and bringing joy and goodies to them. This is a great way to spend the octave. Move your body and plan great recreational activities to enjoy the beauty of nature. Use this week to thank God for his beautiful creation, for the power of your mind and the miracle of your body. Use it to celebrate this amazing life we have been given in any way you can. Learn about and apply knowledge of the body-soul composite that we have been entrusted with. Our hearts are designed to know the good, the true, and the beautiful. Your search for these things will bring you great peace. Start that search this week. Also, lean into the wisdom of the church and do some research into what she does teach. Try to be as obedient as you can to the laws of the church that in her wisdom have structured a life of the highest good for her children. Abstaining from meat on all Fridays of the year is a good start. And again, this is not needed during the octave, by the way. This, my friends, is true feasting, feasting on all of life and going out and spreading the good news of the gospel, just like the apostles. One of my clients who just finished the coaching experience told me that she was out to lunch with a friend and the friend told her that she was glowing with a positive energy that her friend could just feel. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit coursing through us to serve the whole world. He wants to glow and flow through all of us. This can be done through spiritual fasting. Let him flow through you in celebration during the Easter octave. And by the way, if you are one of my new spiritual fasters, don't be dismayed if you overindulge at first while learning to navigate all the ways to feast on Sundays and solemnities and octaves. It is hard at first. Our memories and past selves typically associate feasting with lots of food or overindulging in certain foods. It may take a while, maybe even a few months to get those Sundays under control. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, especially flowing brilliantly during the Easter season, those 50 days after Easter Sunday, you will figure it out. It doesn't have to be all about the food. It will take time to plan in other activities of connection, especially the sacraments, to help you. But you can do it. It all begins with your thoughts. So let's talk about eating to enough. Eating to enough, even when consuming sugar, flour, and alcohol, is a great work of figuring out the biology, neurology, and theology underneath our decisions. I call this the great experiment, the journey of figuring it all out with God as the center. 
What is eating to enough for each of us? That is something you have to figure out. If you have been overeating and over drinking for a long time, it will take some effort and time to shift over to this wholeness. It is challenging, but doable. If it wasn't challenging, then demons would not be cast out with the effort here. Remember, all things are possible with God, as it states in Matthew 19, 26. And you know what? This is my prayer throughout the day as I delay and pray. Feasting appropriately, not binging on Sundays will take a total mind shift to center your life on celebrating and thanking God while helping others. Christ is the center of our motivation. He is the why that makes us cry. He helps us reframe our health as a body and soul endeavor. They cannot be separated. We are body and soul, both dearly loved by the Father. We can give glory to God when we reframe our thinking as life as prayer, and that prayer will involve suffering. As we know, Jesus did not come to alleviate our suffering. He came to reform it, to reframe it in our minds to serve the other. On the other side of fasting is feasting every Sunday and every octave after Good Friday. We are exclaiming that we remember you, Lord. We remember what you did for us, and we thank you, and we worship you in the sacraments. With spiritual fasting, we can think of our food and drink as gift. We can announce the truth that food is good. It sustains us. It gives us life. The Eucharist is the best example of this. God chose the appearance of wine and wheat to be his body and blood. We feast on his body and blood. He is our greatest feast. He is our communion. We are with him so closely as to consume him. And this is the greatest mystery of all. He teaches us to approach our earthly food with right reason in love and abundance, not out of fear, not out of deprivation or anxiety. The latter is from the evil one. The evil one always distorts and distracts from the truth and our true food. Jesus, on the other hand, allows us to use our free will to consider our choices. Is the food I'm consuming, including the amounts and frequency, moving me closer to grace or closer to gluttony, closer to virtue? Or closer to vice. These things cannot coexist and you get to choose. You just need a plan to figure it out. If you need help with this, the Delay and Pray group coaching experience is just the plan. It announces and sanctifies the beauty and truth of ordered food. It helps create space for the Lord to dwell in you day after day. It helps you be hungry for Him instead of sugar. It teaches you to feast and gets deeper every Lent and every Easter. There is no end it's just a beginning. I'm laughing because I created it with God's guidance, but he continues to teach me and this mystery will never be completed this side of heaven. He keeps taking me deeper and deeper. Our five-year plan is unbelievable and it's unfolding before our eyes. One million Catholics will be returning to the church through spiritual fasting. He is increasing within me and I have only just begun to decrease and to heal. I have so much more for you to learn. As the scripture states in John 3.30, he truly must increase, but I truly must decrease. And I stuck in the word truly for emphasis. To truly decrease, I need to be satisfied with more of what I need and not what I want. What I need is enough, just enough. I need to eat to enough. I need to buy just enough. I need to live to enough. Enough really is as good as a feast. Trading chocolate cake for blueberries is a feast. And feasting can be ultimate nourishment for body and soul. Trading Netflix for activity, connection, and the sacraments is also possible as feasting. And this also is ultimate nourishment for body and soul.
Try redefining feasting for yourself. Your life will change immensely. If you want to learn more about the unfolding of the faith during the Easter season, I have posted a link to an amazing article that I have referenced for this podcast in the show notes. The book reference is there too. And if you want to get going on spiritual fasting and learning how to eat, fast, and feast all year round, lose weight permanently, grow in faith, and help save the souls of others, then join the Delay and Pray coaching experience. It is worth every precious penny that you spend and every minute of your precious time. Ah, have a wonderful octave, or if you're just feasting on a Sunday, have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for listening and happy feasting. Also, if you found this podcast useful, please subscribe to it and leave a five-star review so others will hear the great message of spiritual fasting and how to feast. The last thing we want to do is go back to our old habits after Lent. The goal is to celebrate the risen Christ and our virtuous win over vice as well. Have a great week, my friends, and I will talk to you next time. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.